into Shut Up and Invest. We are officially live. Another episode of Shut Up and Invest. Today's episode, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of project managing, dealing with contractors, how we do renovations, some of the horror stories and some of the best stories. We're going to get into it today. But before we do, the man with the plan, Mr. J Money, what's going on, my brother? Hey, Kevin, man. How's it going? Doing I'm good. good, bro. We we don't gotta talk about me. I think uh, <laughs> we gotta we gotta we gotta focus on you before we get into project managing because you just finished project managing a move to a whole different location. Still beautiful weather. Still beaches yeah, and palm still trees. Tropical. Little Miami is still, you know, still like Miami, but a little bit more, a little more south, close to the equator, you know. But yeah, man, I moved to Puerto Rico. I'm down here right now. Um, last week was hectic. I was trying to do the move. I was coaching football. We we're in a playoff run. You know, we're doing the podcast, the business, everything. But you know, we're finally here. Got here on Sunday. Got all settled in today. So we're you know we're doing our first show from down here. So we had to come you know make sure our technical difficulties were fixed before we came on. But you know, hopefully the, hopefully the Wi-Fi is good and the goes nah, smoothly. Sounds good. Looks good. But let's spend a little bit of uh, the first five minutes of the show to talk about, because I think most listeners and that the real idea of getting into real estate and investing and is to get freedom to be able to do things like we're talking about right now. So I like to kind of get into how that works, where you guys when did you decide to move? What made you decide <laughs> to move? How are you project managing the move and keeping your business going? Let's get a little bit into that. Got it, got it. So when we decided to move, I mean, we, we've always talked about it. You know, I mean, the first time at Kevin, we actually, you know, we were talking about Puerto Rico on the, air, you know, on the airport the one day. So it's always been conversation that me and my wife have. Um, you know, like I said, we, we lived in Hawaii before. We moved to Hawaii for six months. We left Michigan. We've been in Miami for five years, right? So... It's funny though, it seems like whenever a kid graduates high school, we move, right? So <laughs> our oldest son graduated high school, we moved to Miami. My youngest son graduated high school from Miami. Now we're moving to Puerto Rico. We got the three girls still, so I promise them we won't move again until you know at least one of them graduates from high school. But you know, I realized that my business is virtual. You know, like we, we got the virtual investing course, we talk about virtual investing, but my business is truly hundred percent virtual, which means I can do it from wherever I want to do it, you know. And so, you know, during probably like I think like April or May, um, you know, we were renting our apartment in Miami and, you know, our landlord said she needed to sell the apartment. So, you know, we were, we were kind of going back and forth. Did we move somewhere else to Miami? We were looking at the keys for a little bit. You know, Puerto Rico and island was always in our mind. We just kind of said, hey, let's, let's move to Puerto Rico. You know, like literally it was just like that. Me and my wife looked at each other, said, let's move to Puerto Rico. So we said it. <laughs> we then researched it. We then came out here a couple of times before now and we made the move. <clears throat> nice. Now, where in Puerto Rico are you? How did you even do the research? Is it uh, how, is it expensive to live in Puerto Rico? Like what what kind of situation? Yeah, so right now I'm in uh, the Dorado area. Which um, if, if you start researching Puerto Rico, you know we may, we can maybe do a show on all the benefits of Puerto Rico for a real estate investor because there are a lot of benefits, right? Um, you know, especially tax benefits, right? Which is not the main reason we came out here, but there are some extreme tax benefits for any kind of investor living in Puerto Rico. But when you start researching living out here, 
there's a lot of people from you know the mainland states that have been moving to Puerto Rico over the last four or five years, like like a lot, you know. So we're in Dorado right now. Um, we're gonna probably be here for two months. Then we're gonna actually be out in Vieques for three months. So Vieques is kind of a little island off the mainland of Puerto Rico. We're going out there. My wife's gonna volunteer at the farm out there. You know, the girls will volunteer at the farm out there. I'll keep doing my job. So you know, that's gonna be from like February to like April. We'll do that, and then we're gonna finally settle on where we're gonna stay at. You know, probably around May. Right. So for right now, we're just kind of doing the, you know, Airbnb for two months here. We'll do Airbnb for three months in Vieques, you know, and then kind of figure out where we're going to kind of settle that. So, but we're in Dorado right now. Dorado is a great area. Uh, the beach is literally out, outside that window down the street is the beach. You know, Dorado is a mix of a lot of Americans, you know, mainland Americans, Puerto Ricans, you know, um, a lot of, a lot, it's funny, a lot of, crypto right so if you're into crypto or any kind of like stocks and trades a lot of people from private equity um have moved to puerto rico exactly for the tax benefits too so you know that's where i'm at now as far as managing the business it's going on the same way it always is going on you know I'm, i've never been in michigan or pennsylvania or wherever these houses are at for the last four or five years right so i'm not there anyway i'm still running everything like i would run it when i was in miami so that never changed nice nice all right all right so we'll get updates throughout the show and uh keep people posted i wanted to spend a little time on that to really point out virtual real estate investing is real you can live wherever you want you can go to www.shutupandinvest.club and see how we set up the virtual investing platforms and if that's something and that lifestyle is something that interests you Definitely reach out. Definitely take the course, and uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be swinging a hammer and being inside these projects and flipping the properties and doing everything yourself. There is an alternative. However, this show <laughs> will be talking about how to swing a hammer, how to manage that, and Jay, you're managing flips that are virtual as well right now. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say so much, you know, flips as far as retail flips, but rehabs that we're going to sell on land contract or sort of financing, right? You know, so yeah, I'm managing a few of those right now virtually. Um, so we can get into the virtual way to do it. We can get in the way, you know, Kevin's always got his hands in some kind of rehab, you know, probably more than me, you know, but <laughs> you're doing a couple right now locally, you know, that I know we've talked about before that are probably still giving you headaches, but, you know, we can kind of go into the back and forth of how you, act, you know, the best way to do that. Yeah, we got Joseph checking in from Philly. What's going on, boss? We appreciate you guys. George giving a shout out. He just locked up a contract. Congratulations, saying he's working on the dispo. Appreciate the love. Um, Yeah, so let's talk about the hardest part of it, I would say, is picking the right team when you're doing a project managing and uh and renovation how do you approach that when you are um whether you're locally or virtually it's still a big decision to make because that's probably going to make or break how things are going to go yeah i think the first thing is you know are you going to manage that renovation yourself or have a general contract or someone else who manages it right that's locally or virtually right so um you know that part right there is the biggest decision to make because if you're going to do it yourself you better have the time to do it yourself or you're going to run into issues, right? Because if you're the one coordinating all the subcontractors and all the budgets and all the schedules, 
you don't have the time for that, it's going to be an issue, right? So me personally, you know, I always have someone in the market who's going to do it for us, right? And so finding that person was the biggest piece, you know, finding someone trustworthy, you know, who has connections in that area, um, who knows lots of different, you know, reps and contractors, who knows how to go and talk deals down. I mean, prices down on, on any kind of rehab work. From my side of it, that's the most crucial point is that general manager, general contractor. Yeah, 100%. What are some of the characteristics and um, and like how do you go about finding that person? Like what is it? Is you have, do you have a special strategy? How do you how do you start knocking on doors to find the right person? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to everything with me. The first thing I look at is like in my circle, right? In my people who I know, you know, who could possibly be doing this job or who is already doing it, right? So I always look in circle first to see someone that I can already, that I trust, right? And thankfully in my markets, there's someone that I trust that's able to do that for us. You know, if you don't have that, you know, then like anything else, you want to get a couple, you know, a couple different resources, referrals, right? And basically interview multiple people until you find the right person. Never, never just go with the first person you find, right? The, the you know, the, 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 the guy or girl does it for the cheapest amount is not always the best, right? The one that does it for the most amount is not always the best. So if you're looking for someone who's, who's doing this stuff, get referrals, right? See some of the jobs that they've done, that they've managed, right? Go to those jobs with them. Talk to those, you know, investors or homeowners who they've managed those jobs for and get some feedback. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, we've talked about it on previous shows. Uh, I like to go ahead and give them a small job. Yeah. So before I go ahead and turn the whole renovation over to them, even if it's a different project, a different property, um, it doesn't matter. I can see how they respond. I can see if they keep their word. I can see how they take instruction. I can see their quality of work. And if it goes bad, well, I just gave them that small project. I didn't give them the whole renovation. So that's how I kind of screen somebody first. If you have a renovation and you don't have a smaller project to give them, you can give them a small project within the renovation, right? So you Mm -hmm. can slow your timeline down Give them something that shouldn't take more than a week and say, look, you know, I just need you to do this in here without promising them anything. Just let's work on this. Let's see how it goes. We'll talk about the rest. And then when it's done, you can say, hey, you know what? The person I had in mind for the rest of it is not, you know, uh, available. Why don't we continue working on the rest of the renovation project? And I'm a big believer in the proof is in the pudding. Mm-hmm. And so many people have. I'll tell you what. My first story that I'll share is the first renovation um, I ever did was my own personal house that I bought way back when. And we did everything. We gutted the whole thing. I mean, at that point, I was young. I was like 23, 24 years old. I had bought apartments up until that point. I hadn't bought a house. Mm-hmm. And renovating an apartment versus renovating a house is a Huge completely difference. different story. Like renovating an apartment to me is super simple because you're pretty much just dealing with the cosmetic kitchen, bathrooms, tile, paint, AC unit, electrical. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're not worrying about plumbing because usually the plumbing is throughout the whole building. You're worrying about internal plumbing if you're moving a sink or you're changing your shower setup, but you don't got to worry about the whole plumbing system most of the time. And if it is an issue there, you're dealing with the community. You're not having to deal with it yourself. 
Um, and same thing with the roof. So when you're dealing with a house, you got landscaping, you got the driveway, you got the roof, you got the whole plumbing system on Foundation. top of, <laughs> exactly on top of everything else that we just described. So my first um, renovation was from my personal house. And I got a recommendation from a cousin. She sent me her handyman guy. Came in. Guy gave me a dirt cheap like price. <laughs> I couldn't even believe it. For now, we were young, so we were gonna do the demo ourselves. Mm-hmm. Called up a couple of the boys, order some pizza and beer, crack out the sledgehammers and the tile chipping that we rented from Home Depot. Knock it out. Knock it all out in about three, four days, and we got the demo covered. So that part was easy. Rent the rent the uh the trash bin, throw it all in there, come back and pick it up out of here. So the guy had to come in and oh, so we got guests, we got special guests. We got a dog. So I think the dog was the answer. All right, we're good. So he was going to come in, lay the tile down. Um, I had the kitchen guy to come in and do the kitchen. He was going to do some of the electrical work and paint and do all the finishes. All right. So I think at the time back then, you know, price of, of doing these things were a lot cheaper. It was back when, like, you could get somebody to do it for, like, a dollar a square foot type <laughs> five in our market. Good old days. <laughs> and... The guy started working. We give him 50% up front, right? That's one thing that I want to talk about. Like, how are we planning out the construction draws and the construction schedule? So at the time, I gave him 50%. And the deal was, you're not going to get the other 50% until it's done. Mm -hmm. Period. So I'm paying you up front. If these contractors are budgeting their projects correctly, that 50% up front should cover the bulk of the cost of the project. You shouldn't have to ask for more money because I need X. Now, if there's what we call a change order, you got to be fair. And you got to understand that if you didn't sit there and tell the person from the beginning that you wanted X, Y, Z, if you come Mm -hmm. midway through the project and say, oh, but wait a minute, we didn't, we forgot to talk about the shelving and like, how, what are we going to do with this space? And I got to put new counters and shelves. Hey, listen, that's called a change order because you're changing the order that you originally gave them. And that needs to be discussed. Here's a big mistake. I see a lot of people doing change orders. They say, okay, okay. They come up with the idea, the brainstorming, the design. Everybody gets excited. Yeah, yeah, no problem. We can do it. Everybody... Ch- Finishes the conversation. You need <laughs> contractor does the work. They don't want to pay him. <laughs> and it was like, oh no, but wait a minute, but you didn't say price. And then the contractor's like, what do you mean? But do you think I work for free? And <laughs> I did the, I did exactly what you asked me to do. Now you gotta pay me three thousand dollars more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So definitely. That's, that's one the of big the big issue. Huge. I'll say I'll say my first rehab was the same like you. We talked about the house that me and my wife bought, right? And I had no idea what I was doing. I did half the work myself. I was trying to do more work that I think that I couldn't do. 
you know, and I would ask the contractor midway, hey, I can't do this. Can you do it without discussing price? And then it became an issue. Right. So, yes, it was it was more on me than it was on him. Um, and I learned from that from that ordeal. But you definitely, yeah. definitely have to make sure that you're if you're going to change something, there's, there's you know, there's payment that needs to be accounted for in changing that order. Because that contract is starting from the from the slate you give out first. Right. He'll add on. But if he adds on, you have to add on to that price. Correct. Now, here's a little tip. If you're having that conversation and price doesn't get discussed, you are the owner. You're the head honcho on this project. You say, all right, what's that going to look like budget-wise? If he says, don't worry about it, we'll throw it in, then okay, cool. Put that in writing. <laughs> Put that in writing. Add it, to the, add it to the construction schedule and get it signed off by both. Here's another tip. If you're changing something where you're taking away something they're doing and then adding something that they're going to do, depending on if it compensates or not, they might try to charge you for the change order, but you got to point out to them, wait, but wait a minute. I'm taking mm -hmm. away, for example, the renovation I'm doing right now. We were going to redo a whole laundry room. It was like, I'll beat up. So let's redo it. We ended up just saying, knock it down and bring the laundry inside one of the rooms in the house. So there was a change order for a couple things that we discussed. What's the budget, right? But I had to point out, remember, you're not going to have to do the work of building the laundry room. So we adjusted it to you know, something that was fair because they're on my automatic instinct. is just going to be like, oh, well, that's going to be an extra $2,000. Okay, cool. But what's my savings by taking away this? Yeah. It's like, definitely. oh, okay, well, so it ended up being only an extra $800. Like, that's a big difference in price. That is. Definitely. So anyway, back to my story. This guy starts the typical, hey, I can't go today because my car... Oh, uh, hey, I can't go today because, you know, my my uh, aunt's sick and I have to take her to the clinic. <laughs> so we're trying to move into the house. This guy keeps, you know, coming one day or coming half a day. And like what was supposed to finish in four weeks is now taking six weeks. And now we're going on eight weeks. And now the frustration is starting to set in and it's a tug of war, bro. You said you were coming. You never showed up. What's the deal? And then he, it was the crying game. Hey, the car, the truck broke down. You think I could get an extra fifteen hundred so I could get it fixed? If not, I'm not gonna be able to get over there. So that now you're starting to pay more and more of the proposed budget. So I ended up paying about seventy five percent out, fighting with this guy four weeks behind schedule. Probably 75% of the work was done. Finally, like, kicking and screaming, got him in back to the project. He finished probably about 90% and wanted all the money. Now, because I knew it was such a mission, now it was all the punch list, right? So the punch list is, at the end, all the little, like, paint spots, all mm. the little... Uh, electrical outlet plates, yeah, outlet plates, doorknobs, the final things to finish the house. So your house is finished and that 90% finished. <laughs> Correct. So let's do the punch list. And hey, you need to hang the lamp. 
you need to do this. This needs to be painted. This needs to, caulking needs to be done here. We got to fix this. We got to do this, put this, put that. Okay. Come up with a list of about 14 items. The guy tries to say, well, if you don't pay me the rest, I'm not going to finish. Like that wasn't part of the agreement. You're going to get a hundred percent of your money towards the end when it's all done. Well, it's all done. No, all done is punch this <laughs> off. Just because tile was done, just because like all the main things were done. Doesn't we got done. into such a big argument. The guy got so pissed, he jumped in his van and took off. <laughs> Luckily, I still had 25% of the budget because I had to end up calling somebody else to come in and finish all the stupid little things. Because this guy, at the end of the day, needed the money so bad, was hot-tempered. He was messing with the wrong one because I don't care how pissed you get. A deal's a deal, an agreement is an agreement. And I don't trust that I'm going to pay you the last bit of the money. Or, yeah, it came out to be like he said, like, just leave me the 500 bucks. Because what I got to do here is one day of work. 500 bucks is, you know, a lot more than one day's worth of work that I'll come and knock this out. And I I think I had like maybe $2,000 left. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no. like yeah. I'm not yeah. giving you 1500. I want you to come back because you want the $2,000. <laughs> so if you don't want to fit, I said, listen, bro, we, the time we're arguing here, you could have been knocking things out. So a guy got pissed, got in his car, never came back, didn't get his $2,000, and I ended up getting somebody for like 750 bucks to come in and like finish all the last little details and do a couple of change orders that I wanted. So it actually ended up saving me a little bit of money towards the end, but the time, the aggravation, we were four weeks late, it was a mission, and that started developing the process now that I have which is a construction schedule where we're literally putting everything with a budget for each item. So it's like kitchen, this is how much it is. And you could do this on an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Bathroom, boom. Master bathroom, this. Guest bathroom, this. Painting on the outside, this. Landscaping in the front, this much. And I literally lay all this out and we break it into phases. All right, phase one, we're doing this. Phase two, we're doing this. Phase three, we're doing this. And now I pay out in phases, but I never pay more than 75% of the project. So the last 25%, they know that the phase phases phases out. Mm-hmm. And now we're in la- phase four, last phase of the project. And that 25% is going to be held until it's all done because I'm not going to be in a situation like that where you'll have people look on another project that I just had right now. We uh, reconditioned the terrazzo floors. Don't ask me why there was a room that the tile was perfect uh, in this project. We weren't, they didn't have terrazzo. It was a garage that got converted into a room. Mm -hmm. There was no terrazzo under that. We weren't going to do anything. The tile was perfect there. That room didn't need anything. The guy that I contracted to buff out the terrazzo floors and the rest of the house didn't show up to the job. He sent his people. 
My project manager was there, but he was in another room doing his thing. These guys were going to start. All right, cool. You're going to start. They could have started in the living room. They could have started in the kitchen. They could have started in the bathroom. But for whatever reason, they decided to start in that room that had tile that I had told their guy, the, the business owner that does the buffing of the terrazzo floors, this room we're not going to do. Brother, they chipped out about 13 tiles. Here's, here's also the question. Like, Here's another part of the story on that project. Brother, when you, when you take out one tile and you see there's no terrazzo under there. <laughs> Why'd you keep going? Why'd you keep going? <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. So, That's crazy. Uh, my project manager as far as like, notices it. Huh? As far as time frames, right? Because you talked earlier about the guy who you know who kept going over and over and over, right? By rule, are you giving your contractors, hey, this needs to be done within this amount of time? And if not, right, we the pay comes off? Yeah. So that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And we got a couple questions. We'll do the questions after this. So whatever my contractors tell me they're going to do. So let's say phase one, we need two weeks. Okay. Phase two, we need two weeks. Okay. Phase three, we need three weeks. So let's just say the total project they're saying is seven weeks. I usually will tack on 10 days. I said, listen, brother, you say you're going to finish this in X amount of days, seven weeks. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you 10 more days, another week and a half. If we hit those 10 days that you, because you're taking on other jobs, and I don't care if your That's car happening. breaks down, I don't care if you get diarrhea, whatever the case <laughs> may be, you got 10 free days. After that, every day is a hundred dollars off. Got it, got it. So you're giving them a ten day, a ten day buffer, right? And then if it's after that, boom. Okay, I like that. Because that's important, man. If you, if you don't do that, if you don't do that, <laughs> contractors will milk your time. They'll take this job. That job might be quicker, right? They get a paycheck now. They'll take that job. So you got to make sure you're putting those time frames in there. One hundred. And the conversation is simple. I don't even bring that up, right? We're talking about. What's it going to take? We're talking about the quote. We're talking about the time frame. When they say seven weeks, I tell them, you know the history of contractors. I don't want to be fighting with you. No, no, for sure. Seven weeks. Give us the job. You know, they're selling themselves. I say, you're mm -hmm. sure. Positive. Yeah, guaranteed, guaranteed, guaranteed. I've already cushioned myself. I, Okay, fair enough. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you 10 more days. Okay, 10 more days. They're like, okay, cool, no problem. But here's what we're going to do. If after seven weeks plus 10 days, you're still here, and it's not because of the city or on me, but it's because you haven't been able to come and do what you got to do, it's $100 off whatever the balance is left for every day that we're not done. Do you got want it. the job? Yes or no? Got it. Got it. Great point. Great point. That's how I have. That's how I handle the conversation, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are scared to, to even talk. Yeah, to even to even bring it up. Right. Yeah, definitely. I but the way I've positioned it is like, what's the problem? You just promised me like 
I don't even bring that up. That's like the, the ace in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. You just promised me seven weeks, no problem. I You just said I'm not going to have to chase you down. So then what's the problem if I put $100 off? You just said we're not going to get there. Definitely. Yep. And you gave him a little bit of extra time too, right? So you're 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 basically saying, look, I'm gonna give you seven weeks plus this time, and you can do it in seven weeks, so we're good. So yeah, I like so that. I put that in there. Um, Joseph is asking, how many es- estimates do you get for each job? That's the I guess, and that depends again on that depends on you know where you're at, right? If you're if you have a relationship with this contractor and they've done many jobs from you, you're not going outside of your contractor, right? You've built a relationship, you know that they're gonna do a good job, you trust their prices, they know you, you're sticking there. Right. For example, one I'm doing right now in Pennsylvania, right? We're looking for three estimates for each, you know, each job because we haven't done anything in this certain part before. Right. So that's it depends on what part you're at and what relationship you have with your contractors in that area. But if you're good with somebody, all you need is that one guy. Yeah. So I have a carpenter on my team. The guy is money. Like he's half the price of most people. So for example, I'm doing a project right now with a family member. So whenever you do a project with a family member, talking about project managing, this is actually a good point. When you're doing it with a friend or a family member, I'm used to getting in there, boom, 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 let's get things done, blah, blah, mm-hmm. making decisions. I, I got the same use color schemes I usually use. I got the same carpenter. I got the same, you know, I got my yeah, way yeah. of how I knock these out. They want to feel part of it and they want to make decisions and they want to do part of what the TV thing is. And, you know, and I get it and I and I understand. And 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 for this partnership and any one of these types of situations to go well, you got to like mentally know you're coming into this with. All right. I can't impose my will and I can't impose my system. I got to play the game so that they feel comfortable and don't feel like, oh, why did I end up doing this deal with this guy? He's, mm-hmm. you know, a dictator on the project. Now, <laughs> and then you bring if there's, yeah, <laughs> if there's an experience that I know that if it's an error, obviously I'm going to speak up and be like, look, that's not going to work. I've been down this road before. We got to watch out for this. We got to watch out for that. But for example, to answer Joseph's question, my carpenter is my kitchen guy, my closet guy, my door guy, and he's cheaper than anything out there. Like right now, I'm doing some modern barn doors, mm-hmm. and you can't get barn doors anywhere for less than 350 bucks. He's doing them custom size, custom design to what I'm looking for for 200 bucks a door. Like mm-hmm. that's $150 a door at the cheapest rate on the market. Probably that door would be custom size four or five hundred bucks. So I'm saving a couple hundred dollars per door with my guy. So, but he's my guy. Yeah, These partners, definitely. family members, and friends, they don't know. And it's like, well, I, I have a friend who also does it. Let's get a quote. So, all right, cool. You get your quote. I'm going to have my guy go out there and get a quote and we'll compare. Sure enough, we got a couple quotes. We got for a kitchen setup seven thousand for another uh, kitchen setup six thousand, and then my guy comes in at thirty nine hundred bucks. 
Hey, but so, you know what? You but you the thing you did the right way was you said, okay, go ahead and do it, right? Because some people said, no, nah, we're gonna just use my guy. I do it all the time, right? But you let them see that okay, go ahead and try, see what you can get, and then we'll come back and bring it together. So that kind of alleviate a lot of the tension because you said, okay, go ahead and do that. Correct. Now, what I do like, and Joseph, this is a, a little hack. I do like bringing in two or three people for each specific situation because each person gives you ideas. True. Definitely true. Each person gives you a solution. And either you notice that they all have something in common or what one person's way of doing it, because what I've learned in renovations and flips and in project managing is it's like car mechanics. Like one guy will fix your situation this way. Mm-hmm. Another guy will fix it this way. They just know what what's within their realm of knowledge, experience, mm-hmm. and craftsmanship. Definitely. If you find Definitely. someone else that has a better way or better craftsmanship, they're going to explain it to you and why. Then at that point, you just go with your gut to the person that was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. This guy explained it logically, you know, it, it told me how to fix this and gave me a price that's within my budget. You'll know in your gut feeling who the right person for the job is. And then you just got to manage them correctly. I agree. Definitely. So those are a couple of my uh, horror stories. Uh, I got uh, flooding in a crawl space in one of the properties when it rains. This is right now? It's right now. It completely floods the whole crawl space. So I got a problem of humidity, obviously, because there's a pool of water there that takes two or three days to dry up once the sun comes out. If it keeps raining, then I stay with a pool of water under the house. The first foundation company that I brought to check the foundation and make sure that that humidity was causing erosion on the, you know, the trust and the beams under the house um, where you can see the exposed rebar from the from the concrete, you know, basically melting away from the humidity and water problem we're having in this house. The first foundation company gets under there and they're like, no, like, can't do anything. This is... Mm -hmm. A lost cause. I mean, listen, those are those moments as an investor when someone goes down there and says something like that to you and you're, you know, you're, you're freaking (laughs) your your throat and you're like, what nightmare did I get myself into? What do you mean we can't solve this? What do you mean we can't fix this? And of course, you know, my team, my contract is like, listen, bro, I've never met a, a job that doesn't have a solution. Like, yeah, I was going to say, there's, there's always a solution, right? I mean, that's that moment. And like contractors are like, you know, they're like CPAs, right? Some CPAs just don't know how to do what you want them to do. <laughs> and they'll tell you, oh, you can't do it that way. You have to keep finding out who knows what you want them to do, right? So you can definitely solve the issue. But I, I've been there where they tell you, hey, this is the issue. And it's like, wait, I got to tear the yeah. whole house down? I got to tear the whole yeah. house down? <laughs> we can't do anything else until I tear the whole house down? <laughs> so I get a second company to come out there. Right. And they're like, oh, let me go in. Let me see. So the first guy puts on his rain boots, gets under there, says this is hopeless, comes back out sweating. Nah, we won't even touch this. Mm -hmm. All right. The best you can do is do this. A thirty thousand dollar bandaid thing that he wanted to quote me, whatever. Second guy comes out there. 
and he's got the technology stuff, right? He's like using the lasers within the house, measuring if the foundation is off. He goes under there. He's testing the you know soil and humidity levels into the soil and coming up with all this data, this, that, that. And then for $13,000, quotes me, so I got a $30,000 Band-Aid. This is hopeless uh, reaction first time around. Second time around, this guy comes and says, listen, man, not only can we solve this, your foundation is not really off. There's a little bit of a dip in the kitchen area, but the rest of the house is, you know, within within the good situation. So you don't have a foundation issue here. So these in my throat decide to fall back to where they need to fall back to. (laughs) And it's like, all right, I can deal now with solution. And then the guy goes on to present me like they go in there, they drain out the, out the water. They set up a pumping system, their high tech technology, that pumping system runs automatically. You only got to change a filter once or twice a year. Um, They completely clean out the crawl space. They put like this lining under there and you can essentially make it like your attic. Now you can Mm -hmm. like store things under there. You can comfortably go down there without a problem. There's no more dirt. There's no more crap down there. It's lined perfectly. The humidity is being pumped out. The water's being pumped out. And apparently your whole issue is solved. They even sell jacks if you needed to jack up the foundation of the house. But he was like, you don't even need that. Don't even worry about the jacks. You just need the clean crawl space with the pump and the humidity, you know, situation. And we can knock this all out for 13 grand. I'm like, not a problem. Okay, better solution. My contractor's there the whole time listening to all this and hearing the ideas. And and then at the end, my contractor's like, look, based off everything what these guys told me, like, well, you could just excavate the situation, let the water roll out away from the house instead of inside the house, you know, uh, redo the foundation, the dirt padding on the crawl space. A couple of things there that is not my area of expertise, but he's super confident that he'll be able to do it and that it will be not even close to $10,000. So that you is went from a $30,000 impossible band-aid to a $10,000 fix, right? And that was because you collaborated with different people coming in and your contract was able to say, okay, hey, I can take these items and make it work. And that's why you have to have multiple eyes and minds on every project you do. Like you, like you have to. So multiple estimates, and I would say three is a good number, gives you ideas and you may not even need to use them, but you get design ideas, you get uh, problem fixes ideas, and then you go with what makes the most sense for you, whether it's with the people or just, you know, doing it yourself with your team. Definitely. We got Ken talking about so much value in this video. We appreciate it, Ken. Quick unrelated question. Uh, what is your criteria as far as JVing? And will you JV with somebody in Texas? All right. Very good question. Yeah, I mean, as far as JVing, it's just kind of looking at the numbers of the deal, right? So we we don't mind the area, right? The area doesn't matter to us. If the numbers make sense in the deal, you know, we're open to JVing on it. So if you got a deal, send it to us. Um, go to our website. We have a link there you can fill out with all the information on your deal and send it over. We'll look it over and let you know. But yeah, we're open to any area. You know, it's just more about the deal itself. Yeah, there's two ways of JVing. Some people just need the sounding board and kind of like the board of advisors, and they just want us to kind of 
walk them through the deal, how to do the deal, what should they, what's the next step, how to get it sold, or how to handle some of the legal side of things, and who should they reach out to, and they just need the board of advisors to make sure they're making the proper steps. And then there's the people that need either funding and or they have no idea what to do with the deal and they want us to kind of be, you know, 50-50 partners on the deal. So there really is different ways of being able to JV. Definitely. On a deal. Uh, we got Joseph asking, what about extra money if they get done early? Putting a little bonus? I mean, I've never tried that, but yeah, that incentive is uh, is a golden carrot always gets you know people moving yeah i agree i mean if you, if you need to get a job done quickly i guess the best way with that is like hey i need this done in four weeks right can you do it in four weeks because you don't want to put a bonus under any rush and it's not done right right so you kind of want to have that story up front like hey do you think this can be done in four weeks this is my timeline and then kind of if you do get it done in four weeks i'll pay you you know such and such more than if we can't do it you know but end of the day we're dealing with real estate and you don't want it done wrong you want it done right so, you know, don't tell a contractor who says I can do it in eight weeks. I need it done in two weeks, right? You'll see that on Flip This House and these HGTV shows, but that doesn't really happen in real life. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. What do you do with the virtual flips that um, I've only done two renovations and it was in Tampa and I would at least be able to drive up uh, every two to three weeks and see it for myself I would get pictures in the meantime. How do you handle your your updates? Yeah, it's it's pictures and videos, and then it's just you know it's just again trusting my guy up there who's uh, overseeing it to give me the you know the information back that I need. So play by play. Um, you know the last one that we did, the one that we did that um the house that had the fire that actually you funded. I didn't fly up. I fly. I flew up after you know halfway to check on it to make sure it was good. I flew up at the beginning and halfway. So you know I, I do like to look at it. Um, you know, at least before and then the kind of in the middle of it. But again, I got to trust my guys who are there, you know, relaying the information back to me and trust those videos and those pictures. We got Ken asking, have we ever tried to flip or know anyone who did a flip in the middle of a hurricane or a flood? So that, believe it or not, <laughs> is a good point to bring up when you're managing a project. If you're in a hurricane zone like you are in South Florida, um, and some of the East Coast states and on the Gulf as well, the challenge becomes not just, you know, can my project get blown away? Like, obviously, that's the, the obvious one. But when there's a storm in what they call the area, the cone area, mm -hmm. your insurance is, if you're trying to get insurance on a flip, freeze. Like, they're not... You know, mm -hmm. they're not if you already have insurance, you're good. But if you're yeah. trying to acquire a flip and there's a storm coming and you're trying to close, your insurance may not they basically go on pause, like let's see what if the storm passes or if it gets out of the cone area, and then we'll give you insurance. So I've had a couple um acquisitions over the years during hurricane season that we've had to put the whole thing on timeout until we figure out what the situation is with a storm because we can't get insurance on there. And if you can't get insurance, you should not close. Cause if you yeah. close, yeah, hurricane comes and you don't have insurance. So on the financing side, you, you, you deal with that too, then where you have a homeowner who's going to close on a Friday, right. And you know, ETA or whatever shows up, 
you got to push that back three or four days so it passes the area that, that the home is in. Hurricanes always delay closings because yeah, insurances will not bind if these storms are in the cone, the eye of the cone that they have, you know, outlined or whatever. Got you. Okay. Good. Yeah. That's good. That's great information to know. So, yeah. and I know timing, timing is huge with rehabs right now. I mean, for example, up north of Michigan, you know, Michigan and PA, we're about to hit wintertime, right? And so, of course, you know, wintertime comes. If you know, if you can do some stuff in the summertime without without electricity on, right? But now when wintertime comes, you need electricity, you need heat. You know, there's all kind of other factors. Also, COVID. Let's talk about COVID when it comes to construction, right? COVID has shut down construction in multiple states throughout this country. You know, and that's another another uh, fear right now is you know, will states reenact restrictions on construction, right? So there's all a lot of hurdles when you know scheduling out that construction rehab job. You have to, you know, take into you know effect before you have to go out there and actually start it. Yeah. So we'll finish with this point. The biggest mistake that I see when people are managing their private projects with renovations is the negotiations, like we talked about, are not clear. They're not written down. They're not scheduled. Um, they're also best case scenario. And that's the last mm. point that I want to make. Everybody is like glass half full when it comes to their numbers, when it comes to what's going to happen. And I'm a glass type, half full type of person in my life in general. However, I hope for the best and plan for the worst. Yeah. I think in real estate too, like, you know, because you said in your life, we walk around, you know, you know, with a lot of uh, optimism and positive vibes, but in real estate, <laughs> when it comes to deals, I'm always more conservative, right? If you say ten thousand rehab, I'm gonna say fifteen. You know, if you say ARV's eighty grand, I'm gonna say seventy, right? Because that just gives you that buffer to make a smart decision. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, I got two renovation projects. I'm finally closing one next week, and I'm in the middle of one right now. That they're each over a year time frame of what my hope mm -hmm. was originally to have them done because the city, because of COVID, because change orders, things that pop up. There's a thousand reasons why that are unforeseen that could delay your project. So if you're doing your numbers and you need this to work in three months, I mean, and you're not getting permits, but you're doing work that requires permits. Mm -hmm. Understand that you are rolling the dice. Yeah. I mean, you know, just just the holding cost in general. Right. Just the holding cost of paying, you know, whatever your financing is on that for a year or more. If you're not taking that into effect, that's a huge cost right there where you see a lot of these deals end up being sold to the guys like us who call them up and say, hey, <laughs> that house is still sitting there. Right. It's I'm because sorry. they're. They're shooting too high and too optimistic and not factoring in those, you know, those what could happen. Exactly. So yeah. if you think you're going to finish it in three, cool. Awesome. I hope you do. But you should be doing numbers at six to nine and see if it still works. Like at six, ah, man, I lose money. At nine, damn, I'd lose a lot of money, but I'm not broke and out of business. All right. Well, you know, you can roll the dice because you have... Con you you're mentally prepared that if something pops up and it takes you nine months, you know, you're not out of business. But if this is 
all my life savings, everything needs to work, and I need to be out there in three months, and I need to hit this number, and if not, I'm going to be divorced and out of a house. Like, that is the project you need to take on. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, that's and that's the whole thing when it comes to rehabs, when it comes to flip rehab or run a rehab. You know, they can be done. Um, we don't like I don't do a lot of flips. I think Kevin, the one you're talking about is more of a rental property, right? I mean, the one that's the year over one is a, a flip and one is a rental. You know, but again, you get you get in trouble when you don't plan accordingly, right? You have to plan accordingly, you have to do all your numbers. You know, it's not as simple as Hey, I bought it for 50 and he's 15. I'm gonna sell it for 100 grand. You know, <laughs> no, you gotta plan accordingly for rainy days, you know, for permits, for shutdowns, for you know, now for COVID and restrictions. There's so many things that can happen that you need to plan for on the front end to make sure you're prepared. Yeah. So hopefully you guys got some tips and tricks. Hopefully, you kind of get an idea of project managing and selecting the right people, going through your references, using estimates to your advantage, organizing everything, how to approach negotiations, some of the mistakes, uh, hope for the best and plan for the worst. And uh, at the end of the day, I know we, we kind of uh, talk about some of the not so pretty stories, but that is to let you know that, um, we're still standing. We still make money. We're still doing it. So it's not to scare you. It's definitely to make sure you're doing things the right way and get in the game. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell everybody, just make sure you have the stomach for investing. As long as you can take what comes at you, you're good. You know, <laughs> it's, just the, it's the people who can't take when that happens. And they're like, oh, man, nobody told me this. Well, at least we told you. So, you know, take take what comes and keep moving on and. You know, there are still plenty of deals out there right now. There's going to be plenty of deals for a time to come. Find a good deal, run your numbers, and shut up and invest. <clears throat> yep. This right here, guys, is a show that when you have family members coming up in Thanksgiving and then Christmas and want to talk about potentially flipping because there's going to be good deals coming, share this show with them. Go on our YouTube. It'll be available on YouTube um, by tomorrow, and uh, and then this will be a great talking point. Sounds good. All, All right, right man. Brother. Enjoy Puerto Rico. All right, man. See you. Have a good day. Hey, thank you once again for listening to Shut Up and Invest. If you guys are motivated at the thought of continuing your real estate journey with us, then visit shutupandinvest.com. There you can join our community and take advantage of more free resources. And don't forget, please like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you're first to hear our new content every week. Most importantly, get active and don't forget to shut up and invest. <laughs>